This summer, L.L. Bean wants to help you feel great out there with gear tips and advice for heading outdoors and exploring all the possibilities of the season. Sand sticks to pretty much everything, so here's a hack for keeping it out of your socks, sheets, and rugs when you come home from the beach. Cornstarch. Simply rub some cornstarch where the sand is sticking and it'll fall off with ease. This works especially well between your fingers and toes. For more fun ideas, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. At the close of the 2019 visitor season, the JFK National Historic Site closed its doors. The collections were safely secured, and the site prepared for an extensive facelift. The plan involved the installation of an accessible visitor center, along with other much-needed maintenance. Originally set to begin in early 2020, unforeseen hurdles like the COVID-19 pandemic delayed the work to 2022. Now, in 2023, the work is finally reaching completion. Since its opening in 1969, the site has undergone very few major renovations. There was a significant structural project in 1986 involving repair of basement floors, improving the exterior staircase, and the addition of a small visitor center and retail shop in the basement of JFK's birthplace. However, as years passed, this 1986 visitor center grew outdated and remained inaccessible to many visitors with disabilities. A change was due. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, we take you to the birthplace of our 35th president, the John Fitzgerald Kennedy National Historic Site, preparing for a grand reopening after several years of important renovations. Eighty-three Beals Street in the Coolidge Corner neighborhood of Brookline, Massachusetts, was purchased by Joseph Patrick Kennedy Sr. in preparation for his marriage to Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald on October 7, 1914. The Kennedy family was the third owner of the house on Beals Street. It was built in 1909, a period of rapid growth in Brookline, a suburb on the edge of Boston. A few months after they were married, Joe Kennedy purchased a new Model T that he used to commute to downtown, where he worked as the president of the Columbia Trust Bank. Rose Kennedy would often walk from the Beale Street house down to the shopping district in Coolidge Corner. John and his sisters, Rosemary and Kathleen, were born in the upstairs master bedroom. The family lived there until 1920, until they moved into a larger home just a few blocks away. The Kennedys sold the Beale Street house to Joe Kennedy's advisor, Edward Moore, and his family. The Kennedys lived in the neighborhood until 1927, when Joe's business interests prompted the family's move to New York City. Three years after the death of President Kennedy, the family repurchased the home. From 1966 to 1969, Rose Kennedy restored it to her recollection of its 1917 appearance. She wanted to restore the home to the hour of John's birth, but the home really paints a picture of a typical American home circa 1914 to 1920. About a fifth of the artifacts are original to the Kennedy family, either used in the Beale Street residence or in later homes and returned to Beale Street during the restoration. 
In the course of her work on the restoration, the 1968 Architectural Barriers Act was passed, or the ABA. These laws required all buildings and facilities built or renovated with federal funds to be accessible to and usable by people with disabilities. Since the work on this site was completed through the generous donation of the Kennedy family, the ABA laws did not apply, and even when the visitor center was installed in 1986, accessibility concerns were not addressed. And that's a shame because the Kennedy family is known to be a major advocate for people with disabilities, with several members living with and experiencing physical and intellectual disabilities firsthand. President Kennedy himself dealt with lifelong chronic pain and poor physical health, even if that wasn't his public image. At the age of two, when he was still living in his birthplace home, he almost died of scarlet fever. Later, it was discovered he had Addison's disease, which affected his adrenal glands, weakened his immune system, and made him more prone to illness. He also had a congenital back problem, and coupled with injuries sustained from athletics and his service during World War II, he underwent multiple back surgeries with extensive recovery periods. Rosemary Kennedy, John's sister, was born with intellectual disabilities at a time when people with disabilities were often sent to institutions or hidden from public view. But the Kennedy family kept Rosemary at home and included her in family activities. She was expected to be competitive and well-rounded like her siblings. As a young girl, she was sent to the same public school as her older brother. When it was clear that she was falling behind, her family hired tutors, coaches, and sent her to private schools. A privilege of being an affluent family, of course. Most people can't afford such care. As she entered her early 20s, her condition worsened and her behavior became aggressive and erratic. To help their daughter, the Kennedys searched for solutions. They learned of an experimental procedure called a lobotomy. Assured by surgeons of the promise of a lobotomy's success to reduce depression and aggressiveness, in November of 1941, Joe Kennedy arranged for the procedure. It was immediately evident that it had failed, leaving Rosemary without most of her ability to talk or walk. She was then institutionalized for the rest of her life, receiving specialized attention, but isolated from much of her family and the public eye. Despite some narratives out there about the Kennedys and Rosemary, it's fairly clear that she was deeply loved and was a direct influence on many of them to devote their lives to the betterment of those born with disabilities. Her sister Eunice was particularly close with Rosemary growing up and dedicated her life to improving the opportunities available to those living with disabilities. In 1962, on behalf of the family, she publicly acknowledged Rosemary's disability for the first time through a series of essays in the Saturday Evening Post. She called for funding of medical research, job training, and group homes. Believe it or not, this slate in American history is one of the first significant examples of public advocacy for the rights of those with disabilities. In 1961, Eunice Kennedy, now Eunice Shriver, opened Camp Shriver, a summer camp for children living with intellectual disabilities. With the support and funding of the Joseph Kennedy Jr. Foundation, she championed the development of the Special Olympics, hosting the first games in 1968 in Chicago. Eunice received various honors for her work, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1984 and a papal knighthood in 2006. 
Although she was internationally recognized for her work with the disability community, she was not the only Kennedy to fight for those issues. In 1946, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy founded the Joseph P. Kennedy Jr. Foundation in memory of their eldest son who had died in World War II. The foundation supports academic research on intellectual and developmental disabilities and is a lobbying agency on behalf of those living with them and annually hosts international awards, conferences, and events to promote the development of research. President Kennedy himself made the rights of those with disabilities a priority for his presidential administration. In 1962, he established the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development to research all aspects of maternal and child health, including intellectual disabilities. He appointed a 27-member panel of doctors, scientists, and others to create a plan to address the possible cause of intellectual disabilities. On February 5, 1963, Kennedy gave a special message to the Congress on mental illness, which outlined the panel's more than 100 recommendations. This included maternity and parental care, shifting care away from mental institutions to community-centered agencies, and plans for the construction of research centers that would include diagnostic, clinical, and treatment services. He also emphasized the importance of special education, training, and rehabilitation. President Kennedy enacted many of the panel's recommendations and provided funding for states' intellectual disabilities programs, as well as maternity and infant care. A second bill he signed funded construction of facilities to care for the disabled, research centers, and teacher training. President Johnson continued the Kennedy legacy through establishing the President's Committee for People with Intellectual Disabilities in 1966, which still acts as an advisory board to the Secretary of Health and Human Services today. As the staff prepares to open the renovated John Fitzgerald Kennedy National Historic Site, newly accessible restrooms await visitors, along with a staff bathroom, which will reduce the wait time that visitors often experienced when only one single-stall restroom existed. Visitors can also stay better hydrated with the installation of a water bottle fill, other improvements include upgraded storm drainage, carpet replacement, a freshly painted interior and exterior, restoration of 40 historic windows and window sashes, replacement of the wooden gutter system, repair of the roof overhang, cedar sidewall shingles, a skylight, the porch roofing, flooring, and structural supports. As the JFK National Historic Site reopens, the promise is clear. The commitment to increased accessibility and inclusivity remains at the forefront. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. If you're new here, make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes delivered to your feed. If you're looking for photos and tips about visiting national parks, check out our America's National Parks Facebook group. And if you're interested in RV travel, we hope you'll also check out our RV Miles podcast and YouTube channel. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks.